You guys ready to get in the word? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, let's talk about it. Let's open our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 4. That's where we're going to launch off. We're going to believe God for utterance tonight, and it's going to be wonderful. Hebrews chapter 4, you know, I love it because as you follow the Lord, you just learn to trust him. I remember the first time that I went to church, it was in 2007, the first year of our church, and, and I just, in preparing all week, I could never get an outline. And then I would go to the Village Inn because we were meeting at Elkhorn Ridge Middle School. And, and, and I, so I had nothing, not one note, not one verse. And, and it's getting pretty soon. I, I eat breakfast and I'm like, man, I got to leave. And so I'm thinking to myself, okay, I, I, don't, I don't have any time. And then right as I started to get up, the Lord gave me six scriptures. So I sat down really quick and wrote them on a piece of paper, just threw them in my Bible and then left for church. And I knew the first, I think I knew the first two. But the third one, I had no idea. And so when I opened up the first one, I read it and, you know, I just, just was flowing, had stuff to say. And I'd come to the end of that and then I'd go to the next scripture. And, but I'm thinking to myself, man, and they were, the first two were right down this road. And I'm thinking, I'm sure hoping that that third scripture is not, you know, and Melchizedek ate a peanut butter and jelly sandwich on Thursday. You know, I mean, it's just... And uh, boy, I'll tell you, by the end of that service, it was so awesome. And, you know, God just flows. The Holy Spirit's the teacher. And as you stay full, man, just know he's faithful. So he's going to give us just what we need tonight. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says, For the word of God is quick. You know, we're, we're talking about our confession. We're talking about let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Your confession is so important and so vital to you laying hold of your healing, to laying hold of whatever you're believing God for. See, most of the time our problem is not in the believing end. We're just not speaking. And we're believers. Believers always speak. We walk and live by faith. If you are in faith, you will say. When the word of God gets in abundance in your life, because the word is what? Full of life. It's quick. Full of life. It's full of power. When you get that in abundance in your heart, you can't help but speak it out of your mouth. Right? I mean, this is, this is uh, it's fresh. It's powerful. The word of God is life-changing. Now, when we talk about the word of God, we're talking about the God of the universe who's your heavenly father who cannot lie. And when he speaks, it's done. Right? So what we're looking at here, it's defining this. The word of God, it's telling us about his word. It says it's quick. That means in the Greek language, it's full of life. And it's, it's quick, and what else does it say? And powerful. This Greek word means it's active, and it's effective. The word of God won't go messing around with symptoms. It will go right to the spiritual source of the problem and kill it. You don't have to know what the spiritual source of the problem is, Right? You might be in financial trouble. I, I'll guarantee you, if you're in financial trouble, you probably don't know the very root of it. 
Because you're shooting, well, I just don't make enough money, symptom. Well, I've overspent, I've gotten myself in debt, symptom. Root happened probably when you were 4, 5, 10, 12 years old, and, and the enemy's sitting there throwing, you'll never have enough. You'll ne you don't even know that's happening. Right? But the Word of God will go right down and, and settle that. Right? You could be physically, Satan's always trying to get you to open doors for him. You know, you'll, I mean, watch TV. My depression, my diabetes, my this, my that. Now, I've, the latest one I've seen, you have this young, young, just healthy-looking teenage girl and her, and her grandmother and her mother who both had breast cancer, and now she's saying, I'm so grateful because now I know they're going to take care of me. Oh, no, 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 no. No, we don't say that as believers because we have God's word on it. Does that make sense? She's not going to have to trust the hospital if she comes to trust the healer. Now, yes, if she gets breast cancer, we know what it is, right? That is straight from the pit of hell. It's an attack of the enemy, and Jesus bore it, right? So we got to get these things clear because, you know, and, and if you'll notice around here, we preach this pretty strong. Actually, we're preaching it probably as strong as we ever had today, and we're going to get stronger and louder Sunday, right? Why? Because when you're free, you say so. When you're redeemed, you say so, right? It says, for the word of God is quick and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. The word of God is the only thing that will tell you, is this me or is this God's leading? The word is the only thing. So if you don't have the word in abundance in your heart, it's not going to be washing over and renewing your mind. So you won't know. You'll think, because see, this is how the Holy Spirit will lead and guide you. He'll, he'll impress your spirit, and your spirit will turn that into a thought and hit your mind because your mind's a control center, and it will sound just like you. You know why it sounds like you? Because it is you, right? But how do you know if that's from God or not? Right here. You put everything through the filter of the word, and it will tell you if it's God or if it's not. It's a discerner also. It says here, it divides asunder even of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. And then it says, and it's a discerner. To discern means to see and to know. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of your heart. Right? So, see, not only will it show you what's God and maybe it's just what's your idea, but now it'll cause you to see and know What's going on in your heart? The thoughts and intents of your heart so that when you walk it out, you walk it out with a right heart. So the word of God, in other words, will cause you to see the will of God and then it will, it'll show you how. It'll show you what to do and then it'll show you how to do it. Isn't that good news? That's God's word. It's full of life and power. Full of it. So now let's look at another thing that it says about God's word. Let's go to John chapter 6 and let's look at verse 63. 
John chapter 6. So it's full of life and power. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It divides asunder soul and spirit. And now in John chapter 6, in verse 63, it says this. It is the spirit that quickeneth. That word quickeneth means it's the spirit that makes alive. The flesh profits nothing. But then look at what it says. The words, this is Jesus talking. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. They are zoe life. They're spirit. Words, when God speaks something, it goes out to do something. God's words are enablements. They're always, as soon as he releases a word, it goes out to do something. And it never stops. When he said light be, guess what? We know now, scientifically, with with the telescopes, the technology that we have, we know now, without a shadow of a doubt, that the universe is expanding at the speed of light. Why? Because God said, light be. Guess what also, guess what also God said? You're healed. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. All things are possible to you if you'll simply believe. I mean, there's, that, that's just as powerful of a word as light be. It's amazing. They've actually proven now that you can take everything back to one point in time. Well, we know what that point is, don't we? The words that I speak to you, their spirit and their life. So let's even go a little bit. Let's, go, let's define this a little bit more. Go to John 17. John chapter 17 in verse 17. Why am I saying this? Keep in mind tonight now, God, the God of heaven, the one with all authority, spoke this to you. I mean, this is your, his word is yours. It'll change everything in your life. John 17, 17, I love this. Jesus is talking now. This is the last time he's with his disciples before he goes to the cross. And he says, he's praying. He says, Father, sanctify them through thy truth. To sanctify something is to purify and then to set it apart. So we've been sanctified. We've been purified and set apart for the master's use. How? By thy truth. And then it goes on to say, verse 17, thy word is truth. Here's the thing. With your five physical senses, you can see things that this world might call a fact. But a truth of God's word changes facts. We know that because everything in the natural that we see was made by something that you can't see. That is God's word. Isn't that amazing? So you might be able to see a cancer cell or a tumor in your body or see blood levels that are way off or hormone levels that are doing all this, whatever. You might be able to see that and that might be factual. 
but rejoice because all that is is an outward manifestation of a spiritual attack and you have authority over it. And the truth of by whose stripes I was healed supersedes that. Any sickness, any disease has to bow to that. So this is why we're talking about this tonight. You have to speak God's word all the time. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. That means you, when you're, if you're believing God that you're healed, forget this term, oh, I'm just believing for my healing. No, 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 stop believing for it. Believing that, believe that you have, I believe I have it. Why? Well, you were healed 2,000 years ago according to the word of God. So if you were healed, you have to be healed, right? So now all that's left to do is lay hold of it. And your faith will do that. When you hear those words, by whose stripes, Tony, you were healed, then you'll reach out with your faith. Father, I believe it. You'll believe that in your heart and you'll speak it out of your mouth. And then God will perform it. The Bible says he'll perform it. So his word is spirit. His word is truth. His word is life. His word is active and effective. His word divides and tells me if this is the leading of the Lord or if this is something I got to take captive because it's not of him. It's either my idea or the enemy's idea. It causes me to see my heart to know if I'm playing the faith game or if I'm really in faith. Does that make sense? To, if, if I'm just playing the, well, I know God loves me game, or if I really see and know without a shadow of a doubt that he loves me, it'll help me. His word helps me all the time. His word is truth. So if his word is all this, so now let's fast forward. Go to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. So here's Jesus. Who's Jesus? He is the creator of the universe. Look at John chapter 1, it tells you who he is. But what he did is he took upon himself flesh and he laid down all of his godly attributes. And so when he was on this earth, only one time was he talking about his work in a manner where he called himself the Son of God. He called himself the Son of God five times. Sixty other times he always called himself the Son of Man. So now he goes to the Jordan River. He's baptized by John the Baptist. Now the Spirit of God, the mighty Holy Spirit, comes down and rests upon him. And he has the Spirit without measure. The Spirit now leads him up in the wilderness. And, and what happens? He fasts for 40 days and 40 nights. That means he didn't eat anything, right? Just drank water. We know he drank water because the human body can't last that long, right? So he fasted for 40 days, no doubt. Now, now, if you look at the ministry of Jesus, did, he ever, did it ever say he fasted again? Nope. He was getting ready for ministry. He grew up, he lived 30 years on this earth, full of the word of God, but it still wasn't enough. He had to get the Holy Spirit. Now, what do you mean by that? He had to be baptized in the Holy Spirit in the same way that you and I we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's the power. We need the power, right? He didn't do any miracles until that came upon him, right? And so, so here we have him. He's he, 40 days and 40 nights. Now, medically, they say by the time when you hit 40 days, you have depleted everything. Every system in your body now is completely depleted. And you have, I mean, a hunger comes back. 
They say in fasting long term, your hunger will go away. But then at the 40-day level, a, a, a starvation hunger comes back because now your body is screaming, going, you have to eat or you're going to die. Now, and so this is just like Satan. At this point, at the point of starvation, when this hunger, when this desire in his flesh is screaming at him, eat, Satan shows up. Has he ever done that with you? You're, it's, it's like cloudy out, rainy for four days, and then you go to bed, and now it's not only dark, but now it's dark, dark. And you're laying in bed, and all of a sudden you realize, I'm not alone. And this voice is going, he's talking to you about everything to do with what God does. What are you going to do if you die? What are you going to do if this gets worse? You know the symptoms have been getting worse. Do you know that medicine, remember that last medication? It's not working. So what are they going to do now? And he, and he, and he, and he, sits, he sits right at the side of your bed, and just whispers in your ear, and you're totally alone. And that church you go to, nobody cares about you. As a matter of fact, it would have been better if you weren't even born. And he just thought after thought. He comes at you at your weakest moment. But what he doesn't realize is there's no such thing as a weakest moment for a Christian. Because we're filled with the Spirit of God. And our spirit, the moment it starts speaking out of its mouth, our mouth, what we believe in our heart, everything changes. The environment completely changes wherever we are. So this is what happened to Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. It says in verse 1, Then he was led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was after, afterward hungered. And when the tempter came to him, how did, how did Satan come to him? In his thought life. In his thought life. You should look at the Greek words. It literally says it right there. It says he tempted him by analogy. He didn't, he didn't grab Jesus' body, take it into Jerusalem, put him on the temple and say, cast yourself down. Nope, it, he took him there in his mind. Well, but of course he did, right? Because do you have another scripture on that? Yeah, uh, he was tempted like us. Has Satan ever grabbed your body and taken you up on the a cliff and said, okay, jump? No, he's not powerful enough to do that. He can't even touch your spirit. He knows it. He does never want you to know that. If you have sickness in your body, you know what? That's your body. That's not even you. As a matter of fact, your spirit can't get sick. There's no way. Why? Because it, it has the first fruits of salvation. When you get to heaven, God's going to take this body. If you've lived out your life and went into the grave and it turned back into dust, I don't know how he's going to do it. That's not my deal. But he's going to bring your body back together, but only it's going to look a little different now. It's going to be pain, no possibility of pain. You stub your toe in heaven, whatever. Right? No, there's just no possibility of pain, no sickness, no disease. Why? Because there's no curse. Because you're going to live on the earth. Right? If we're raptured, we'll be there seven years, then we're coming back. And then after that, we're going to be here for a thousand years. 
And then after the right throne judgment, guess what? The eternal kingdom of God's going to be here on the earth and who knows where else. The Bible doesn't talk about it. But guess what? You're going to have a body that's not going to ever age. Right? Why? Well, because it has the final fruits of salvation. So don't ever think you're sick. You could say your body's sick. But I want to encourage you to speak what God's word said. Although I might feel sick, guess what? I'm healed. And hide and watch. It'll show up in my body too. Right? Because God is faithful. But it says, the tempter came to him and said, if, now look at the way the tempter comes, and this is what he'll do to you every time. He said, if you be the son of God. If you be the son of God. He always comes against your identity. Always. He might not say, if you be a child of God. He'll probably say, hey, uh, you who have messed up 20 times in the last week. Right? And then show you Polaroid pictures of that. For you younger people, he just he gets out those MP3s. <laughs> right? But no, he's just trying to get you to believe him. If you be the Son of God, command these stones to be made bread. So Jesus is starving. When, when Satan threw that thought in his mind, he could probably smell. Have you ever smelled fresh, baked, homemade bread? Wow, right? I'm probably losing the crowd right now. <laughs> but what did Jesus, he didn't, he didn't give in to his flesh because he was full of the Spirit. Look at what he said. He quoted Deuteronomy 8.3. And he said, man does not live by bread alone. But man lives. That means man has his very life. Man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We live by God's words. Do you see that? I mean, if you go on reading the story, it's really funny, but we, we don't have time to do that tonight. But let's, so this is God's word now. God's word divides and dis causes you to discern. It's full of life. It's full of power. It's truth. It's spirit. They're not, words are not sounds. They're a spiritual force. They're going out to do something. God's word, right? Now here, we, we find that God's word, it's, it's how we live our life. But now let's go to the 119th Psalm and let's look at verse 105. Psalm 119, verse 105. We have to see the weight of God's words because we're his children you and I are created to live by God's words. It causes us to live according to his ability, not our ability. It causes us to walk in his strength, not our strength. Right? All of these things. Psalm 119, verse 105, we find out that God's words, it says, Thy word, our Father's word, is a lamp to our feet, and it's a light to our path. Notice, God's word is not a light to someone else's path. See, God's word, as I get in God's word, it will light my path. 
So I, as I'm meditating in the word, it's not going to light Jake's path. So that's why I work out my own salvation. I can't work out his. Because how would I really know? But for me, oh, it'll, walk, it'll work out my path. Right? It'll show me. It shows me. It's a lamp to my feet. It shows me right where I'm at. Now, that's good to know because if you're missing something, it'll show you. If you're trying to lay hold of your healing and you're missing something, you got some unforgiveness there, you're, you're speaking crazy, whatever, you, you know, you could speak crazy and not even know it, right? It'll show you where you are and then it'll show you where you need to start moving. It's a light, a lamp to your feet. It's a light to your path. So now same chapter, let's go to verse 130. This says a big thing about God's word. It says the entrance, that word in the Hebrew language means the opening of God's word. What does it do? It brings life, or I'm sorry, it gives light. And it gives understanding. This word understanding means discernment and perception to the simple. See, how, how does God's word Enter your heart. How can we get God's word in our heart? We have to speak it. We have to meditate on it, which is muttering it, which is speaking it. You speak God's word to, for two reasons. Number one, you speak God's word to get it into your heart. And then the Holy Spirit's down there bringing revelation knowledge of it. When the word of God gets in abundance in your heart, your mouth will speak it. As soon as you start seeing it, when revelation comes, what you see, you will say. And what you're looking at, you'll start looking to, and it'll become your source. And God wants him, or God wants his word to be your source. Not anything else. Does that make sense? So this is so very important. Hallelujah. Let's go to verse 65 of the same chapter. Verse 65, we see that God's word, this is how important God's words are. It says here, thou hast dealt well with thy servant, O Lord, according unto thy word. We find out from here that God deals with us according to his word. Isn't that good news? Because he said some incredible things to us. So when you read, you can do all things through Christ which strengthens you. You need to realize that this is how God deals with you. He looks at you as someone who can do everything in Christ. He looks at you as total triumphant and victorious in your life. He, he deals with you according to his word. Isn't that good news? So now let's go... Let's, let me see here. Let's go to verse 89. Let's do this one. Verse 89 of the same chapter. Now here's the really good news about this. It says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. This word settled means thy word is forever established and forever stands in heaven. Can't be changed. Forever settled. Wow. This is why, as an American Christian, 
you got to let go of your own ridiculous doctrine that does not line up with God's word and embrace his. Because his word's forever settled in heaven. Some of these ideas that are being preached are ridiculous. You know, if we had a Bible chapter for them, it would be either first or second imaginations because it couldn't be here, right? Well, you never know what God's going to do. Really? That's not what it says. Well, sometimes God says yes, and sometimes God says no, and sometimes God says wait. Well, okay, where is that in the Bible? The Bible says all the promises of God are in him, yes, and in him, amen, so be it unto me, right? We gotta get, we gotta get with the word. And, and I know I'm preaching to the choir, but you can't hear this enough. We could preach this sermon for every every service. As a matter of fact, church would get better if we did, because we'd walk in a deeper revelation of this. Forever, O oh Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. You gotta let go of your own idea and embrace his word to get results. And if you do, you can't not get the results. So go ahead and turn now to the 138th Psalm. Let's look at this one. Psalm 138, verse 2. Psalm 138. You guys doing okay? Praise God. Verse 2. I will worship towards thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. Why? For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Above all thy name. The name of God, it literally is representative of the very power of God. God says, I've magnified my word. God is saying, I surrender myself to my word. Wow. Now we're, we're talking the creator of all things. Could he possibly fix your knee joint? Could he possibly give you a new heart? Right? He can do, I mean, he's the creator of the universe. Right now he's holding everything together by the word of his power. And he says he submits to his very word. Oh, Lord, help us get revelation knowledge of this. Hallelujah. Let's, let's do this. Let's talk about this just a little bit more. Go to Numbers 23. Numbers 23. I want to read this to you, and it's very important that you, you turn to these scriptures if you can. Numbers 23 and verse 19. I probably haven't quoted one scripture that you haven't heard before. But I believe we're hearing them for a, a, a greater depth tonight. It says this in Numbers 23 19, it says, God is not a man that he should lie, neither is he the Son of Man that he should repent. That means change. So God does not lie. And he never changes. And then because of this, look at, look at what it says. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Wow. See, he will. He has spoken it, and he will make it good. So get excited. 
Because the Bible says things like you're going to be above only and not beneath. The head and not the tail. The word says you're going to live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. There is no terminal illness that can compare to this. It's never, ever, ever too late. Isn't that good news? God is so very, very good. So now let's, let's look at this now. Go over to Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55. Hallelujah. God's word. So we're kind of defining what God's word is. We're defining what God does with his word. You see the pattern there? In Isaiah, the, the whole verse 6 through verse 11 is wonderful. But, but this, is what I, this is what I want you to see. Just verse 11 for right now, for time's sake. It says, So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not turn, return to me void. That means that word void means without power. God says, my word will not return to me without power. Why? It's impossible. It's full of power. Right? And then he goes on to say, but it shall accomplish that which I please. God's word is going to accomplish what he pleases. And it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. Wow. See, God's word not only will plant, but it will water. Right? It'll see you through the whole thing. God sends his word out to accomplish something. Wow. God gives us his word so that we can know his thoughts and his ways. He, he, so that we can know exactly. So if we have sickness in our body, we know exactly who God is and what he will do. We know. We don't have to go by what we're seeing and feeling. He does not lie. He, and if he said he's a healer, then, then my body's as good as healed because it can't, it can't not be if I'll just believe him because he will bring it to pass. Does that make, does that make sense? Because his word, when he said, by whose stripes you were healed, that word was sent out to do something. That power in that word that was spoken of however long ago, Right? However long ago God spoke that in Isaiah, that would be thousands of years ago, right? It still has as much power in it today as the day he spoke it. Isn't that awesome? I mean, it's, it's, you could say it this way. This is why God's word, it's new. Because, see, why is God's mercy new every morning? Because he says he's full of mercy. And that word that was spoken however long ago, it might, have been, might as well have been spoken right now because, see, God right now is speaking this over your life. Isn't that amazing that as you're sitting here, God is saying, Phineas, I was made a curse for you to redeem you from the curse of the law that includes sickness and disease, poverty and lack, and spiritual death. And I removed that curse for you now, it, it's the same as, as if he was saying this right now. So therefore, now the blessing of Abraham will come upon you. Isn't that awesome? 
And you can now receive the promise of my spirit through faith. So she's living example. She's saved. The blessing of Abraham rests upon her and she's redeemed from the curse of the law. God might as well have spoken right now because there's no time or distance in these things. It goes forth from my mouth. It doesn't return void. It accomplishes that which I please. It prospers in the thing whereinto I sent it. Wow. You plant the seed you hear in your spirit and then you water it with your mouth. You plant the seed of the word of God. This is the parable of the sower. I plant the seed from the word of God if I need healing, right? According to Matthew 8, 17, Jesus himself bore my sickness and he carried this pain that's in my body right now. And then what do I do? I water it. How do I do it? I water it with my waterer, my mouth. While I'm doing that, I'm mixing faith with his word. It causes the very power of God. Jesus, all of a sudden, he's seated at the right hand of God. And oh, by the way, you're with him and in him there. Uh, positionally, but temporally you're here. And what happens now, he, he, he watches over the word that you're speaking and then he performs it. So as you say these words, the healing power of God comes out of your spirit from the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 11, he quickens your mortal body. And what happens now, that healing power will go to the root of whatever sickness and disease is there and cut off the spiritual root. It's gone, it's dead, and now healing. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. That Greek word was iaomai, healing. It means to progressively doctor or cure. They weren't all instant healings. Oh, they were healed And then it progressed. It worked its way out. Pretty soon, one day, you wake up and the symptoms are no longer there. But you know what? It almost surprises you because you're walking around all day. Every time a pain hits your body, Father, I thank you. It is written. You sent your word and healed me. Right? Oh, Father. And, you know, you go, you go to the doctor and the doctor says, hey, uh, the symptoms, man, this thing's getting worse. And you're like, thank you, sir. I appreciate your report. And then you walk out and you go, Father, I thank you that I believe your report. I thank you, oh, Father, right now I just thank you for it is written in your word that I am to bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all my iniquities, who heals all of my diseases. Do you see that? That's how we live. That's how we walk. So now look at Jeremiah. Go one book over. I'll be real nice to you. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 12. Sword drills tonight, right? We're in, we're in children's church. Jeremiah 1, 12 says this. Then said the Lord unto me, Thou hast well seen, for I will hasten my word. That word hasten means I will watch over my word to perform it. God has obligated himself. He literally has obligated himself to bring to pass what we believe and speak 
in concert with his word. He's obligated himself. How sure is your healing? How sure is God? He never changes. He's true. Let every man be a liar, but let God be true. Guys, as we walk in this, this is a primary part of our witness. When you get in a situation that is contrary to God's word, a lot of times it'll happen really quick. You instantly step back and look down in your spirit and the Holy Spirit will give you exactly what to say. And you'll say things like, it is written. And you'll answer that circumstance immediately and accurately, not with your opinion, not with your, your strength, no, with God's word. Because God's word is full of his power. And that's how we walk and that's how we live. This is the walk of faith, right? You know, we quoted it before, but let's go back here and quote it again. Go to Psalm 103. Hallelujah. Isn't it good tonight? Man, I'm so glad I came to church. Hallelujah. Psalm 103. In verse 1, and this is, again, in the, in the Hebrew language, this would be the equivalent of a present participle. So this is not only what God has done, but it's what he is doing now on our behalf. So it's the same thing. There's no time or distance here. Like we said earlier, it's like he's speaking it right now. This Psalm of David, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Right? And forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all of my iniquities, who heals all of my diseases, who redeems my life from destruction and crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercies. Now look at how he does all this. He satisfies my mouth with good things. He tells me what to say so that my youth is renewed like the eagle. He, see, see, religion will say maybe it happens. No, no, relationship says I know God and he said it already happened. So now if I need my strength renewed, I, I'm, Father, I thank you so, so much that you give me the words to speak so that my strength can be renewed. Because see, God can't just renew your strength. You have to invite him to do that. How do you invite him to do that? Oh God, will you please renew my strength? No, he doesn't even hear that prayer. Oh Father, I thank you that it is written, right? Right here, right here in this scripture. You satisfy my mouth with good things. And what that does is it renews my strength just like an eagle, right? So now I could mount up in you, and you'll take me, exalt me above the circumstance that I'm in right now. Because you always cause me to triumph in Christ. It's just the bottom line, right? Go a couple chapters over. Go to Psalm 107. What a powerful scripture this is. Psalm 107 says this in verse 20. He sent his word. Boy, how many times have we said that tonight? He sent his word and did what? What did his word do? And healed them. How can we dare say God's not a healer? He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Is there anything in your life that's trying to destruct something in your life? 
He, you don't have to figure it out. You don't, you don't have to do anything but just back up and rest and go, Father, I thank you. It is written, you sent your word and healed me and delivered me from all my destructions. When you say that, Jesus on the right hand of God now performs it. So the power of God is right there to deliver you from your destructions and to heal your body. It's right there. But see, you got to get it right. See, Jesus watches over his word, but does he send his word down from heaven to do this? No, it's right here. The Holy Spirit just releases the power because the Holy Spirit is the power. He has the power. He is the power. Think about that. Your healing, you can't even tell how close you are to your healing because you're one. It's an integrated system. Your spirit and soul and body, you're the three who are one. And your spirit, the healing power of God, the strengthening power of God will come out of your spirit and do the work. You don't have to do the work. And that's the message. God's a healer. Jesus died for your sins. You know, we're anointed to say that to people. Yeah, but what if people go, oh, I don't believe that stuff. That's okay. I'm just going to go around saying it. Because I've been, I've been called of God to reconcile, to just go out and tell the people, hey, you've been reconciled to God. He's not mad at you. Jesus died for your sins, and now you can be born again. You could have a relationship with him simply by believing him. And you could have your past eradicated and wiped away. And you could say, well, what if they don't believe that? Oh, no, 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 no. They're spiritually dead. It's not, of course they don't believe that. They've got to be woken up. And we can't wake them up, but the Holy Spirit will. And when he wakes them up, then they'll go, oh my gosh, I need Jesus. And then they'll decide whether they want to give their life up or whether they want to still live in this nonsense. Right? And, and, and many times they'll go back dark again and say, no, I don't want anything to do with that. And you just love on them and say, okay, well, listen, thanks for letting me share that with you because it's changed my life. If anything changes, let me know. And you leave, and you're on to the next one. And they leave, and the Holy Spirit keeps going, I love you, I love you, I love you. I've got a plan for your life. I'll heal your body. I'll fix this marriage thing. I'll get you out of this mess you're into. Right, And then pretty soon, what will happen is another believer will come across their path. And then another believer. I think they say seven or eight before a person receives Christ. That's the average. But man, we live in Omaha, Nebraska. We're Midwesterners. We're way above average. So I'm telling you, probably one or two times. So we just need to get out there and do it. We need to get out there and say, hey, as the Spirit of God just stirs us, listen, I'm going to lay hands on you right now, and the God of heaven's going to heal your body to show you how much he loves you, right? What do we do? We hear that and we cringe back. Oh, what will they think of me? Oh, you self-centered little baby Christian. Get over yourself and be led by the Spirit of God, right? Don't worry what people think of you. People are up to here with their life. They don't really think about you, right? It's all good. But see, I would rather have 8 billion people think bad of me on this planet and have my father be pleased 
right? Because I got to tell you, the minute, the minute we hear that trumpet and we're raptured out of here, or the minute we leave this earth, we will have a strong desire. If we weren't satisfied when we left, if we didn't yield all of our fruit, we're going to have this overwhelming desire coming out of our spirit that, man, I love being here, Jesus. This is incredible. But man, there was more I could have done. Because that's why you're here. That's why you're born. You're born for more than just a paycheck. Amen. You know, and your, your career on this earth. It's, it's just more. So let's go. Now it's 8.15, so I'm kind of closing up. But this scripture is powerful. So go to easy, Exodus 15. And then we'll kind of close down here. Exodus chapter 15. And I'll be nice and I'm going to close with this. In verse 26, Exodus 15, 26, this is the first time that God really revealed himself directly to the children of Israel. So this is after they, after they left Egypt. He, he, after they leave Egypt, man, these miracles are going through the Red Sea, all this stuff, but now all of a sudden they're out in the wilderness and there's no water. And so now... You know, Moses prays, God tells him what to do. And then look at what it says. And said, well, I'm just going to read this. And when I'm just starting verse 23 so we can get the whole thought. And they came, when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of that place was called Marah, which means bitter, right? There were lime deposits in this water. We know that. And it says here, and the people murmured against Moses saying, what shall we drink? And he cried. So Moses cried to the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast it into the waters. Now, if you look at the type here, waters is always a type of humanity. So we're casting a tree, which represents Jesus into humanity. I love that. So type of Jesus being cast into the earth. So think about that now. The types and shadows, this is talking about symbolically Jesus being cast into the earth. But now let's just jump back and let's just look at it literally. Throw the tree in the water, right? So now it says here, which when he had cast it into the waters, verse 25, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them and said, now look at this, after the waters were made sweet and said, if thou wilt diligently hearken, that's hear and obey, to the voice of the Lord thy God and will do that which is right in his sight and will give ear to his commandments or another way to say that, will have ears to hear. Have you ever heard that one before? And keep all his statutes. Then God says, if you'll do that, I will put none of these diseases upon thee. What? God's putting disease on people? Well, you got to look a little deeper than the King James English word here because this is a Hebrew verb. And Dr. Young, if you've ever heard of Young's literal translation, he was a Hebrew and Greek scholar. Dr. Young said that in the Hebrew language, there's two tenses of verbs. One's causative and one's permissive. They use the causative, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians. But those Hebrew verbs are not in the causative tense. They're in the permissive tense. 
So it would have to read, I will allow none of these diseases upon thee, which I have allowed upon the Egyptians. Why? For I am the Lord that healeth thee. The first time he reveals himself, he says, I am the Lord which healeth thee. Now, even this is how silly this is. We can look in the Hebrew language and know that it's a permissive tense. But come on, how could it be the causative tense? I'm the guy, I'm not going to bring any sickness on you the way I brought it on the Egyptians because I'm the God that heals you. So he's a God that makes sick and he heals. That makes no sense and it fits nowhere in Scripture. If that was the case, you'd see Jesus. Wouldn't, wouldn't you? Because God never changes. There'd have to be some examples where he's like, now, I'm, I'm gonna, I, I put this on you. I'm going to put sickness on you. Oh, I think I'll heal you, though. But Oh, you know what? I think I'm going I'm to put some sickness on you to teach you something. Leper comes to him and goes, Lord, I know that you can heal me, but will you? And he's like, no, get away from me. Could you imagine? I mean, there'd have to be some examples of that. There's not one. He's a healer. Always. I am the Lord that heals you. How God, Acts 10, 38, right? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost. Now we fast forward all the way to the New Testament. Anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost, even with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. Amen? Amen. The God of heaven's a healer. His word is full of life. He watches over his word to perform it. We never really got to another part of how to enact it, but you know what you got to do is believe his word in your heart. What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them and you'll have them. If you go one verse earlier, go to Mark 20, 11, 23. What does it say? If you'll say to that mountain, be removed. If you will what? Say to that mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and shall not doubt in your heart, but shall believe that those things which you sayeth shall come to pass. You shall have whatsoever you sayeth. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to work three times as hard on the saying part as the believing part. Amen?